Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love love everything about Christmas. I I love Christmas music. I love Christmas traditions. I love Christmas lights. I love our artificial Christmas tree. It's, it's one of those, some of you might be, you're one of those hardcore people. It's like, no, we, we go out in the snow and the ice and we chop down our own tree like our forefathers did. I do what my forefathers did. We get it out of a box and we, we try and we put them all in. Do you have one of these where you put them all in the piles and try and figure out what, what color that used to be? And then you, you line them up, figure out which one's longest and to, to smallest, and then you put the whole tree together, and then, and then you put the, the super ugly angel on top that, that you had when you were a kid, that just me, all right, yeah, that's, I, I love, I love Christmas trees, I love, I love Christmas cookies, I love Christmas presents, I love Christmas movies, not the Hallmark ones, the real ones, like Miracle on 34th Street, and It's a Wonderful Life, the, right, I, I love I love Christmas. I, I am that guy who, for the longest time, I would beat my kids to the living room to get into our stockings on Christmas morning. And then I would go in and wake them up and say, how can you be sleeping? It's Christmas. Santa came, you know. And, and we'd run in. But the past few years, my, my daughters beat me to that. So I've passed on that mantle. But, but guys, I love Christmas. Not only that, but I love the Christmas story. I love, I love Luke chapter 2. And the reason is is because it it shows us what Christmas is all about, what what all of this points to. 
And, and we know that, right? I mean, we know that. I mean, help me out, okay? Fill in the blank. Blank is the reason for the season. Jesus, right? In church, if anybody asks what the question is, it's, it's always going to be Jesus, right? Just say Jesus and you'll be safe. Jesus is the reason for the season. We've heard that. It's on plaques all over the place. Uh, show of hands, how many of you have a nativity scene in your house somewhere right now? How many of you? Okay. All right. Now, what is at the, some of you are late at the game. It's okay. We're, it's early still. Um, how many of you, when, when you think of your nativity scene, what is at the center of that nativity Little baby Jesus, right? Little baby Jesus, full head of hair. Like our baby Jesus in our manger, my wife, we were looking at it last night, and for some reason my wife was like, why is newborn baby Jesus got a full head of curly hair, and it's almost like he's sitting up preaching to the wise men. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But at the same time, the center of our nativities is Jesus, right? We all, we all know that that. The baby in the manger that Christmas points to, it's celebrating the fact that God became man. He put on flesh to bring a broken people back into relationship with a loving God. That's what Christmas is about. That's why we celebrate it. And yet at the same time, if I'm honest, there are so many times where I feel like I can relate to what we just saw play out here on the stage. There are times where... where you know, maybe, maybe it's just the traditions don't feel as magical as they used to. Or maybe, maybe you watch Elf again and you just don't laugh as hard as you did when he gets attacked by the raccoon. Or maybe, maybe, maybe this past year has been a hard one. Maybe you've lost loved ones due to death or divorce. And you're looking at this holiday and it's just, think, just thinking, man, this just doesn't feel like it used to. I, when I think of Christmas, I think the thing I love about it so much is the fact that it's a time where we allow the feelings of what should be to come into the light. Like this, this feeling that there should be more than just what we experience in the physical, we, we allow that feeling to kind of stretch its legs. We let hope come out front and center, and, and we give it room to breathe. And yet when, when December 26th comes... And it's no longer culturally acceptable to have your lights up and, and play the Christmas music and all that silenced. What we're left with is basically three months of winter with no more Christmas. And I think it's an incredible illustration of the harsh realities of life. That, that when that time comes where, where it's just, we're, we're left with this emptiness and we're left with, without the magic and just the, the winter, it reminds me of the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Um, and it, towards the end of the song, I don't know if you remember, but towards the end of the song, there's this part, there's this verse that says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's this feeling of emptiness. It's this feeling that says, really, is this, is this all there is? And ultimately, I believe where that comes from is that we are searching, as a people, we're searching for eternal satisfaction in a temporary reality. 
We're searching for eternal satisfaction in a temporary reality. I, I love Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He said it like this. He says, for my people, speaking from the, the perspective of God, he says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Now, Maybe you don't have a cistern in your backyard. That's not really a word that we use anymore, right? But basically, in a, in a dry, arid culture, which is where this was written, a cistern is, is basically a hole in the ground. And, and it's this hole that's dug out, hoping that when the rains do come, it will fill up with water. So that when you're, when you're traveling and when you're out, I, I've never been really, I've never spent much time in a dry, arid culture. I went to Arizona once. And I thought I was going to die. Like, it was, it was the worst. I mean, Missouri's hot in the summers. That's just, like, it's something else. And thinking about being in that, in that dry, arid culture, and it's like, water, ah, water. And he's saying, look, you're, you're going to these things because you have a thirst. You're going to these things because, because in, in Jeremiah's day, what the people were doing was they, they were searching. They, they, wanted, they wanted things like protection from the world around them, from the dangers, from the uncertainties of the world around them. They wanted security. They wanted, they wanted a place to belong. They wanted satisfaction for this, this longing, for this thirst that they had within them. And God is looking at them saying, I can give that to you. I, I can give that. He, he he uses this illustration to describe himself. I don't know if you caught it. He says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. I mean, when you think of a fountain of living waters, well, I think what should come into our minds is this idea of plenty and excess. When I think of a water fountain, sometimes I think of my, my imagination goes to like the beat up, dented up green water fountain in my elementary where it's like, as a, I don't know, as a fourth grader, you could not mash that thing, the, the thing on it, hard enough to get a drink out of. And every now and then, it would get some energy and spray you in the face. And it's like, what? But that's not what God is talking about here. He's talking about a fountain more like what's out in front of shelter insurance, right? Where if you're like, man, I'm, I'm thirsty, I have this longing, I bet, you know, I bet shelter. Has, and and a, a hundred yards before you get to it, you can see like, okay, there's water there. Because it's spraying up all over the place, and it's really beautiful to look at. And, and that's where I can go to find satisfaction. God is saying, look, come to me with this thirst that you have. And you will, be, you will not be disappointed. Come to me when you look for this belonging, and you'll have it. Come to me with this desire for purpose, and I'll give it. He says, come to me because I am the fountain of living water, and I will provide for you what you so desperately long for. And yet what the people in Jeremiah's day did is they said, now we're good. We're, we're going to go to these holes in the ground and hopefully there's something there. And yet he's saying they're cracked and broken and they cannot give you what you desire. They cannot give us the peace. They cannot give us the, the fulfillment. They're temporary. And we're built for eternity. What about us today? Can you relate? See, I, I, think, I think that us today, I think we are still people looking for satisfaction. Amen? We're still people looking for belonging. We're still people longing for significance. And we, we, we put all this longing and desire and we wrap it up in one holiday 
And we, we think that family dinners and, and presents under the tree and traditions, we think that that will, that will fulfill us, that that will satisfy us, and yet it never does. We get to December 26th and it's, we feel the same emptiness, we feel the same longings, and, and we call it the Christmas blues or we call it a Christmas hangover or whatever you want to say. But really, ultimately, what that is, is it's idolatry. Now, that's a word that maybe you don't use very often, but basically what I'm saying is idolatry is trying to find all of that in anything else other than God. You see, because when that's us, what we're really doing is we have forsaken the baby Jesus in the middle of our nativity that points to the man Jesus who came for us. To provide those things for us. I I love the verse John chapter 7 verses 37 through 38. It says on the last day of the feast. The great day. Jesus stood up and cried out. If anyone thirsts. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. See, Jesus describes himself what we can find in him. He describes it the same way that God describes himself in Jeremiah. As a fountain of living water. So we, we have these desires. We have these, we have these longings. We have this thirst for more. And yet, guys, what, what, we, what we see in the reality of the world around us is that it is broken and it is harsh and it is cold. And we're left with longing, and yet the hope of Christmas is that it can point us to something more. The hope of Christmas is that it doesn't have to be over on December 26th. The hope of Christmas is that longing for significance is a good thing, and yet we, I believe, we can allow that to point us to God, the true fountain of living water. The one who brings fulfillment, the one who brings belonging, the one who brings peace, the one who brings this this satisfaction that we are longing for that is not temporary, but it is eternal. Because we are ultimately eternal beings longing for eternal satisfaction. And God is an eternally good God. says, let me give that to you. So, So this morning, the reason we do all of this The reason we've invited you here is because we want you to experience that. We want you to experience a God who says, are you thirsty? Are you longing? Are you beat down by what the world is handing you? And he wouldn't pile on more. He wouldn't pile on more burdens. He would say, come to me. Come to me. What do you have? What is it? What's your burden? What's your longing? What is it that you so desire? My prayer for you this morning is that you would allow that feeling of Christmas to point you to a God who loves you and longs to satisfy you. As the band comes up, I would just invite you to take a few moments. Maybe, maybe for you, you're sitting there and you're saying, I've already done that, Luke. I've already accepted Christ, and yet there's times where I still feel that. That's me. I'll be honest. And yet, if that's you, I would encourage you, allow that feeling, that desire to remind you 
of the truth of Christmas. We so easily slip into, into monotony. We so easily slip into all these different things, don't we? And yet this morning, as we, as we close out our time singing about the goodness and the graciousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you would, would realize that there is nothing under your tree at home that can fulfill you. It is only found, that fulfillment is only found in the person, in the God-man who hung on a tree and died for you so that you would have a relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, and, and I, I confess, God, we, we, I, we are people. I am a person who so quickly, who so quickly turns to, to satisfaction in other things. God, I, I long for satisfaction. I long for belonging. I, I have a thirst. And God, I am so quick to look in other areas for, for the fulfillment of that. And so God, I pray for forgiveness. And God, I, I pray, I pray that there would be others here who would also, as I'm praying these word, who, words, who would, who would also ask for forgiveness, who would pray for forgiveness. And God, in that, God, I pray that there would be others in here this morning who would make a decision, maybe for the first time, to say, you know what? I have been, I have been chasing after things that I thought would fulfill, and they don't have anything to do with Christmas, but they certainly don't fulfill me. And I pray that there would be people in here who maybe for the very first time this morning would turn to you, would take that thirst, and instead of looking in holes in the ground, they would look to you, the fountain of living water, and they would receive what you promise. God, let that be so. Let it be so in this place. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would work, that you would move, that you would change, that you would bring dead hearts to life. God, help us to experience that eternal fulfillment, that eternal satisfaction that you promise. You are so beautiful and precious, God. We love you. We praise you. We lift up your name. And it's in your name we pray.